Hello, and welcome to the XNMO podcast. Um, my name is David Clark. Uh, today we have Craig Hawkins, owner with wife Carla and the winemaker of Testalonga, uh, which is the leading proponent of natural wine in South Africa. Craig and his uh, wife Carla are, to my knowledge, the first people to build a very successful independent business making exclusively natural wine in South Africa. Uh, many other winemakers have used them and continue to use them as inspiration to start their own wine journeys and own businesses, um, sort of setting a paradigm uh, in the industry at the moment. From making two barrels of skin contact Shannon to owning a farm and planting vineyards in 10 years, uh, it's a story worth, worth paying attention to. We recorded this conversation on their farm, uh, Bandits Cliff, near Iandakale in the northern Swatland. In the, in the evening after tasting through the very young 2019 wines in cask. This is in late March. We were forced to sit outside as it was during load shedding, uh, which is a series of plant power outages lasting two to three hours to ease pressure on the grid and is needed due to reduced capacity caused by mismanagement, in other words, corruption, of the state power utility here in South Africa, ESCOM. If you know any South Africans, it's ESCOM has turned into a bit of a four-letter word. So please excuse the wind noise. Um, you'll he also hear their dogs, Bruce, Daisy and Ruby in their background, and sometimes in the foreground, as they were playing nearby. I first met Craig and Carla in 2012 at Cape Wine, which is the triennial South African wine fair in, held in Cape Town. Uh, this is before I moved to South Africa in January 2013, and immediately fell in love with the Lamasuk wines he was making at the time. He had a most wonderful natu natural acid line which gave the wines tension and excitement. They weren't ambitiously luxurious or based on richness or looking for, for stuffing or weight, which is so many others were, were going for at the time and continue to do so. Uh, Exonomo Wine Co. has distributed Tessalonga in South Africa since 2014, soon after we started, so there's a little note there. As always, we covered a range of topics, um, how we got started in wine, his years working for Ibn Saadi, how his wine philosophy was formed and how it continues to form, helping grape growers in the Swatland work organically on their land, his trials and tribulations with the Wine and Spirits Board, with the, with the, the Sensory Committee, which certifies South African wine for sale and for export. We incorrectly called it SARVIS in the podcast, which stands for South African Wine Industry Information and Systems which is a separate but related entity uh, focused on the collection and processing of all the industry information. They're related, but it's not the same thing. Um, so yeah, a little correction there. And, uh, and we also chatted about how playing competitive sport helped shape his wine career, among other things. Uh, the first, time, first few times I met Craig, I got the sense he was trying to work me out um, when he was talking to me. But as I got to know him better, I realized that's just his way. He's, he's the introverted dude. And it was just, that's just how he interacted with people. He lets the other person open up before citing, deciding whether he will do the same. He's a very passionate, uh, caring person, quite a sharp intellect and competitive spirit, and just happens to make some of my favorite wine on the planet. So please enjoy my conversation with Craig Hawkins. Thank you. Craig Hawkins, thank you for um, doing this. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Now, the reason I want to talk to you is because you make, uh, you've just started a nice farm up in the north of Swatland. Um, you're big on organic farming, which is uh, pretty unusual in South Africa, for viticulture at least. 
Um, you also work with very low sulfurs, if no sulfurs at all, um, sometimes. And I want to talk to you about making those style of wine in South Africa, and maybe um, we can uh, maybe describe why you do what you do and what how that manifests itself in the wines. I mean, your wines do taste very different to yes. to sort of the run-of-the-mill South African wine, or what what people yeah. would traditionally call um, a yes. South African wine. Yeah. So you you grew up in Durban or in Peter Maritzburg or still growing up, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, we grew up near Durban, okay. 90k's inland in a town called Peter Marisburg. Okay, yeah. So Peter Marisburg is the starting point, all the finishing points of the famous Comrades Marathon um, in KwaZulu-Natal. So famous for Shaka Zulu, Bruce Fordyce and uh, the Bruce, Sharks rugby team. Who's Bruce Fordyce? <laughs> yeah, he, he'd win that Comrades Marathon every 10 years and then when they introduced um, uh, testing, he stopped running. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Maybe he should delete that part from the podcast. But no, he was, a, he was a childhood hero. I used to, I used to hand out Cokes every year. That, uh, okay, that. right. Have you yeah. run it before? No. Do you like want I, to? I, I do want to. Okay. Maybe one day with Mick again. Yeah, right. He's run it once. But yeah. I used to hand out, water, I was a water boy, and then the guy would come running past, because there's a lot of them, and mm. they're screaming, and they for water, 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 and then mm. being the little... Clint that I was, I was 11, I gave him coke, knowing that he, that he was pouring it on his head. <laughs> so if God was giving you water, he took a coke and poured it on his head. So, so yeah, yeah, you haven't changed much since you were 11, <laughs> no. have you? <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into wine? Through my older brother, Neil. Um, so like I said, I mean, we're from Natal, which is 1,500 kilometers from the Western Cape, which is where the vineyards are grown. And... We moved down as a family in 1996, 97, around there. My brother Neil is five years older than me, and he went to Stellenbosch University, which is close to where I was going to school. And we all laughed at him because only Ponzi people drink wine, and he was reading wine magazines. Um, and then I needed money, literally needed money after school. Um, I, uh, you know, for, for holidays, you're a student, you need money. And I did work for him for two months in the vineyards, and then I saw the progression from vineyards. So this is after seven. leaving high school, you just sort of after leaving. So during high school, I did actually did a, a stage, what do you call it? Not a stage, geez, that's pretentious. Uh, I did a... Internship? Inter like a work shadow. It yeah. was only for a week. Uh, okay. With Andre van Rensburg at Faculty. Uh, okay, like work, work experience. Work experience, that's yeah. it. So we worked, I worked there for a week. It worked. I was free labor. Um, but just to learn because I was right around the I used to live cl very close to Fagelichen farm and um, okay. I used to it's in southern Stellenbosch um, yeah close to Samsawest yeah. it's in Samsawest and I would um, I was always picking fruit in their vineyards and stuff not vineyards their fruit farms because they got lots of apples and anyway so I fell in I just I, I just fell in love with it I mean through Neil <laughs> oh shit Carla got vomited on yeah <laughs> Not by either of us, by the way. So you're going to hit So you fell in love with what? So, so, okay, so I started working then with Neil. I saw Neil, I saw Neil really falling in love with wine. Okay. And then I started working for him. Okay. For a couple of months, scoffling, which is Afrikaans for cleaning around the vines with a spade. Yeah, so, uh, so weeding, like hoeing. Yeah, so, hoeing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and then in the winter months I did a bit of pruning and I just saw I always thought I was only going to do farming because I really fell in love with it then I okay. thought this is so up until that point you wanted to be a farmer I wanted to be a game ranger a actually. game ranger I okay. wanted to I was I actually enrolled in nature conservation at university first okay. um, and then I really saw the progression from vine to wine okay you like that yeah yeah okay I loved it. I fell in love with it because it was all encompassing. Um, and then, I, which was even better, was I saw the the, the labels. You could, you know, I could design my own labels. Bit of an artistic <laughs> output. Yeah, I mean, I did art at school, and that's what got me into university. I got D's and E's for maths and science, and A's for art. Mm. Was only, unfortunately, it was only one art subject. So mm. <laughs> one A it's doesn't offset five E's. Slightly <laughs> tilted the other way. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and then I got into that, and I enrolled, and then. I changed from nature conservation to, to, to wine. And um, yeah, and then I asked my brother Neil, who was the most, at that time, 2004, 2005, who was the most out there winemaker in South Africa at the time. Why was that? Eh? Um, why didn't you want to go to the, the most well known or the one who had the, had the most expensive wine? Or why, no, was the, was, why was the most out there? Why was that a, um, a magn. Um, what's it called? Um, why was that something that attracted you? Because wine, for me, it still had a bit of that. Um, uh, there was too much illusions and smoke and mirrors and all of that stuff. And I just even back then I noticed it was very nothing. It did nothing really sunk home. Um, and I wanted to work for somebody that was more interesting than than you know these normal um, what I saw back then. Look, the, the, the fortunate position of coming from. For me, I see it as a fortunate position of not coming from a farming background and a winemaking family is that there was no preconceptions. The, the canvas was completely blank. Um, and, I, and I wanted to work for somebody interesting and learn from, not work for, learn from somebody interesting. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and somebody that just, you know, threw it all out there. Um, and back then, the name that came up was, was Ivan Saudi mm -hmm. um, from when, the Saudi family. When you say it didn't sink, nothing sunk home, what do you mean by that? So what I mean is that it just didn't appeal to me. It didn't grab me. Okay. Um, you know, art. You know, I don't paint now and things, but yeah. my labels are my paintings, and I will get into that kind of thing. But I, I do art. Really did grab me. It mm -hmm. it, it, it resonates with me. Um, you know, there's something deeper there. You know, when you're painting, there's something more subconscious. And I did I did a lot of that, and mm -hmm. I and I wanted to feel that same feeling in one. Okay. Is it sort of like you can see the brushstrokes on the canvas, therefore that's yeah. what happened? And then you saw yeah, that? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that little detail you do in the bottom corner of the painting, mm. um, it takes you an hour. But even now when I look back at the paintings I did when I was 17, I can still remember those that moment of that piece. Um, and you, that's, you clearly weren't drinking enough at the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't know. remember a thing when no, I was 17. I was, I was <laughs> definitely sniffing the turpentine. But it was... Yeah, and that's... that's what I was searching for. I mean, I okay. wanted to find that balance. I wanted to find somebody. I didn't want to just be run of them all. Um, yeah, okay. You wanted to be special. I, mean, I think we're all special. Yeah. I wanted to be <laughs> some, special. some more than others, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Eben's name kept coming up. Um, no, Eben's was the first name. Neil, my brother, said first within. The so you're asking your brother? I asked my brother. Yeah, okay, right. Who do you think? And we'll sit And he just started his journey as well, so he wasn't probably necessarily the best well, person been, to learn from, or? He'd been in five years. Oh, okay, right. And my brother. Um, he, from the beginning, he always said, you know, wines, they don't need to be overwitted. 
acidity is the backbone of the wine. You know, he'd worked in very old world countries like in Alsace you know, or France mm. a lot. Um, very and traditional, traditional um, countries. Areas, yeah. yeah, and uh, so he, he always said acidity will define the wine. Mm. As opposed to, you know, back then, early 2000s, it was all about new wood and these things. So it was, and, yeah. yeah, confected characters. So that's, just, so anyway, and then um, we picked up the phone and I phoned Evan and he said, yeah, we're looking for somebody to work. And I was there for five hours. Okay. Which was so starting in 05 or? 2000 and, yeah. 05 to? Five, sorry, 06, uh, 7, 8, 9. And then I did one in Spain with him. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. And so, what, what were you doing there? Were you doing mostly solo work? Are you doing whatever he said to do? Seller bitch. That's yeah. it. But just were you driving? Were you driving um, uh, grapes around at harvest, or were you in the cellar? Yeah, we were in the know, cellar. Manning the press uh, and. Yeah, doing what he told us. Whatever needed to be done, you yeah, do. Yeah. Um, but what you really learn is the after hours. You learn that um, the emotions and the feelings that you get in wine, and that's what mm. definitely someone like Evan brings to mm. the table. You learn, you're tasting good wines, great wines, mm. all the time. Um, you're tasting different vineyards, you're tasting different soils. You're getting a passion. I mean, I'm not from a winemaking family, so you need to, I needed to learn yeah. parasites, so to speak, from... Yes, from, yes, yeah, from, yeah. Like a mentor. From, a mentor yeah. character, yeah. So he was my first, besides my brother, mm. he was my real, first real mentor. And were you living out in the Scotland at that point? Yeah, I was sleeping yeah. on his couch. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So, what what else did you? I mean, what was the, what were the most important things that you look back now? I mean, obviously, what you were learning then, you didn't maybe realise mm. what you were learning. Looking back at it now, like ten years later, fifteen years later. Um, yeah. What, what were you? What are the the biggest? Yeah, sticking to your away? guns. I'd, okay. I would, All right. I'd pretty much say yeah. that. I mean, that's that's um, probably my. I would say probably even strongest character. Mm. is that sticking to what you believe in mm. and that definitely imparted onto me and it is my character yeah i do what i feel is right so, so i'm not sure stubbornness you learnt that necessarily uh, yeah no you were born <laughs> with it but, um, and that i think that's drilled home and i think it's very important you you pick a style and you go for it if you feel that it's wrong or needs not necessarily wrong but needs adjustments you, mm. you adjust you really do need to believe in it otherwise in wine you just get steamrolled because there's just a million opinions Coming I see. At you yeah, at the same yeah, okay, time. yeah, yeah. So you need to have Everyone. a firm backbone. Um, and uh, I mean, Irvin is a very um, erudite person. He thinks a lot. He's, yeah. he's not thoughtless. He's not, you know, he's passionate, but he's not. Um, uh, he doesn't let that sort of guide his principles. Yes. And I see that in you a lot. Yeah. Is that? Do you think that is in? Do you think you learned a bit of that there, or do you think that you had that in you anyway? Is that oh, for sure? Is, you... that the, is that the kind of person you are? You are. Look, I, I played a lot of. Sports, my whole life. Sports is what I, I always wanted to be. Some I wanted to do some sport for a living mm -hmm. when I was younger. I wanted, I loved it, and you know, play hockey. You have and paint. That was hockey, the, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but uh, you know, you have different coaches in your life, mm. and uh, those coaches definitely impart um, uh, they impart their style on you. Mm. And even was my coach for yep. five years. So yeah. For, for yeah, exactly. So he, yes. he imparted a lot of knowledge onto me. Um, so for sure, I would have picked up some things, but mm. um, your character does either come to the fore or get stunted. Mm. By, it depends who's, who's mentoring you. Mm. So I mean, there was quite a few through, even I met uh, Dirk Nieport, which was a massive influence on me. Tom Libber, which mm -hmm. was one of the biggest influences on me. Yeah, I spoke to Tom a little while ago. You know, he's uh, become, he was my a mentor then, but now a great friend. Um, and that's, you know, it started, through my brother and then through Evan. 
I mean, the sport thing, obviously, you, I mean, I, I know you quite well. Yeah. You're quite competitive. Yeah. Does that help or hinder in the wine yeah, game, or do you think it's not, not a... Look, I have an end goal, I yeah. think, and, and I work towards it. And yeah. that's, I think that's what sport brings out. You, there's a finish line, a starting and a finish line, and you work yeah. towards it. And then when you reach that finish line, you have another finish line. Mm. So, for sure, I, I mean, look, I don't... So you're competitive with yourself almost now? Yeah, no, I'm competitive with myself. I don't... Yeah. I don't um, you know, when you, <laughs> that's what I like about sport, is it, it teaches you, it's one thing I learned, is that it teaches you, you're playing against yourself. Sounds cliche, but it, but it is that. Um, you know, and you, you know, you play hard, you, you my, the, one of the biggest, I remember it was one of the, the final of um, big varsity champs, and we were. It wasn't the, like, semi-final of the 99 World Cup, pre-World <laughs> yeah. Cup, that's you want to talk about that, or? <laughs> you know, we all cried. But, um. No, we, we, we played and my coach there and said, we went down to a penalty shootout. And this was like the culmination of our thing. You know, this is what we trained for. What yeah. We went to gym three times a week in the morning before varsity and all that. And it came down to that final moment and it depended on, it's a lottery penalty shootout. And he said, the only thing, and it stuck with me through then, until um, now, is he said, lose graciously. And that's exactly, that's it. And we end up winning, mm. <laughs> which was great. Yeah. But the, the only thing he said, he said, lose graciously. Yeah. And Avoid losing, but if yeah. you are going to lose. <laughs> he, he was a psychologist, so maybe he knew that we yeah. weren't going to fucking yeah. lose. Yeah. But, yeah. But, the um, thought of losing graciously wasn't, wasn't really uh, high on your list of the 17-year-old, <laughs> no. 18-year-old. Uh, but, uh, but it's very important. And, and that still stuck with me. And something yeah. I'll teach my children yeah. is, you know. Do you find that easy to do or do you find that difficult to do? Lose graciously. Yeah. No, for sure. no, I mean, just don't lose. <laughs> but no, for sure. Uh, it's, it's, no, because some people find it easier than others. No, you, yeah. you, it's something you learn. You need to learn to lose. Yeah. That's it. And that's, I mean, now we're talking sport and life, life is a bit no, different. No, but it's all, it's all interconnected. Yeah. It's but not, I mean, yeah. Nothing's, nothing happens in life, a vacuum. Yeah, you do. You learn. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You get knocked down and you get back up and mm. you learn from it. Mm. Why? You know, you make mistakes. It happens. You get wines that are not what you thought would be and you learn. Mm. So test the longer now, jump, obviously jumping forward, then I'll go backwards just to set, set up the, um, the conversation to, yeah. to getting to here. Um, so you've got a, uh, a farm in the north part of the, yeah. the Swatland, um, uh, sort of in the shadow of the Citrus Dull Mountain. Ulifansberg Mountain. Ulifansberg Mountain, across the way from, uh, from Piquetburg. Uh, so you're a farmer now. First and foremost, you spend most of your time farming. Yeah, with an A, no R, farmer. Yeah, 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 yeah farmer, yeah, yeah, PH, yeah, yeah, big, big farmer. So you started out as a winemaker, or yes. winemaking. Yes. How did you become a farmer? And what was, it, what was the transition there? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's... Because everyone wasn't farming necessarily at that point when you were there. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, most of the guys, yeah, look, I'll speak for myself. This is, um, it's, again, when I enrolled in university, I did think I was going to do... Game ranging, and then I thought I was only going to do the farming side, viticulture. Then I saw the progression. I right. see. Okay. okay. And yeah. now, um, you know, I, I was, I've worked around at many different places, not many different places, but a few different places. I had a job at another place for four years where I was farming, but I was telling 30 people what to do every day. Mm. And for me, that wasn't the, that's the type of farming for sure. It's, it's great, but it's not the farming I wanted to do. I wanted to mm. come back to more basics. like. And that was at Lamasook? Yeah, that was at Lamasook, yeah. Mm. Um, and that's, it was invaluable for me. Um, you know, you learn the basics and the ropes, but then, you know, we, 
Tessa Longa got to the size where we could go on our own, which is always, it happened mm -hmm. at least When you say years. we, we're, we're missing um, a, yeah, Carla, a, a, a rather important part of this. Yeah, my wife, Carla. So yeah. Carla and I, I mean, we run, it's our business. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 50-50. And you met at Lamerson? And we met, I was working at Fort Eben and mm -hmm. she was working next door. Okay. So we met that way. We'd met before, but we didn't really know each other. Yeah. Um, and then the business got to the size where we could support ourselves mm -hmm. and go on our own. Um, and that was 2014, so we looked around for land and we found this place, which is now called Bandit's Cliff. You know, as you say, it's 180 k's north of Cape Town on the mountains there. And it's exactly what we wanted to do. So, you know, there's no electricity, there were no vineyards. <laughs> so we, we put in an offer, we got the place. Uh, we planted our first vines three years later, which is 2018, and they're growing quite nicely now. Mm. Um, and that's it. So it's myself, Carla, and then I've got four employees, you know, my right-hand men and women, and together we do everything. So that's it. I'm, I'm not just telling people what to do every day. I'm uh, doing the Showing them as well. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the t kind of farming that You're we want to do. Okay. Yeah. And okay, so let's just set up the, what, what's happening now and the journey from being a seller hand, being Eben's gopher yes. um, in 2006, 2007. How did you get into farming? I mean, I spoke to Tom and you, you went there for us a whole, a whole growing season. Yeah, yeah it, so that's it. So I said to, I mean, I'm fortunate to have an Irish passport, mm -hmm. uh, which is... I'll, so through I'll your father? Through my grandfather, grandfather. on my mother's side. Oh, okay. Um, and then, you know, that passport obviously allows you... I'm, I'm, I'm an Irish, what do you call it? I've got a foreign birth certificate, so I can mm. travel in Europe. Descendant, yeah. yeah, so I can travel around Europe for without visas and stuff. So I only wanted to work in the old world countries, which was like France. Europe. Europe, yeah. And also, yeah, okay, so Europe. And um, I didn't, you know, because I, I didn't want to go to Australia and New Zealand and America and things, but I, I wanted to get the knowledge from the real old school guys that have been had it. 10 generations or however, you know what I'm saying. And yeah. um, I wanted to get a bit of that knowledge, that feeling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started in France, in Cotretti, then I moved down to Stephen Augier, and I moved down to uh, Nîmes, Rockdown Glad, and then I traveled around Sicily a bit, um, that which was amazing, and then I... And that's where the name Testa Longa comes from, that? that, that yeah, so yeah. Test, yeah, so yeah, so at, at Rockdown Glad, working for Remy, there was, um, he, I was living in his tent next to his cellar on a slope. It was cooking on a gas stove and stuff, which was amazing. But he gave me amazing wines to drink every night. And that was where he gave me one wine from a, a producer called Antonio Perino from Dolce Aqua. And uh, his nickname's Testa Longa, and it changed the way I thought about all wines. Mm. And I asked him and phoned him if I can use his nickname. We're now in contact, which is cool. Um, but Testa Longa is also a bandit from Sicily. And that's why we call the wines El Bandito. Uh, when I came back to South Africa, the wines were very different. They were skin contact. Should it be Il Bandito though? <laughs> if it's Italian? Yeah, it's Is not it Italian. El Bandito it's like Spanish. Spanish? Yeah. It's Spanish. Yeah. So there's Spanish, French, Italian on our label. And um, yeah, and then I did six months with Tom, five to six months at in Matassa? the vineyards. Yeah. Yep. So I worked only in the vineyards at, in Augier. So at that only point? Only in the vineyards in Matassa. Oh, okay, right. And a bit in the cellar. And then at Newport as well. Yeah. So at that point, you're obviously you know, you want to learn more about farming. I wanted to do vineyards. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, and looking back, do you, do you, were you, I mean, you're very pro-organic at the moment, yeah. but now, yeah. were you then as well? Yeah, or did I was. You, was that, yeah, okay. No, and, what, and what formed that? that what How formed that? that? I think my mother. 
Okay, because um, that, that's not normal. That wasn't normal in no, South Africa at the time. not at all. Um, it still isn't normal, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's um, a, 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 a very small percentage of vineyards in, are even not necessarily certified. I mean, yes. even a tiny amount are certified, but you, uh, and a small, only a very small amount are, um, are practiced that way. Yeah. So... No, you're right. I mean, I would put it down to my mother. I mean, we grew up okay. in a very, when we were young, very holistic lifestyle. I mean, I'm not religious, mm -hmm. but we just, you know, approach everything from all angles, um, as opposed to just, um, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm definitely pro-vaccinations and all of that shit, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that just don't, don't accept something on face value just because it's written there and it says, so basically, yeah, and that's so challenge everything. And that was why when I was at university, I was, why were they only teaching us one way? And there was like one page on organics when it was a whole other, and it just made more sense to me. Okay. Um, it, it just, for me, it just, it fit. You've got a sort of a more Socratic um, philosophy on life. <laughs> I don't understand those words. <laughs> but, uh, question everything pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, look, I do question everything. Mm. And I do think about things a lot. It might not appear that way, but I do like to think. And um, organics made more sense to me. Okay. It just fitted better. Mm -hmm. So I was challenging my lectures. I was challenging all thoughts. And if you don't give me the, the, a good enough reason, you need to back up your arguments if mm. we're going to discuss. And if you can't back it up and you just say, oh, because this is the way, yeah. that's not good enough for me. So that's, that's not actually an argument. No, it's not an argument. Yeah. It's just it's like answering a question with because. Yeah. So yeah. we went. So in Europe, I, I wanted to search out those guys that were more organic. I mean, Stefan Augier wasn't organic then. I'm not sure if he is now, but he's moving that way. Um, but Remy was, you know, Tom definitely was. Mm -hmm. Dirk had some portions, but um, yeah, so we, it was about finding that. Okay. Um, finding those, that's what I, I, early on, I decided this is where I want to go. So I found that, I, I searched for that. And in just as a general, um, if it's not certified or is organic, what, what are the, the determining factors for you for farming organically? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's... There's obviously certification, which would... There is certification, but... But if there's no certification, how do you... Yeah, definitely, I mean, there's, I mean... What are the do's and, what are the major do's and don'ts, I guess? Well, it's still the, the same practices, I mean, you're not, but, okay, we're talking about vineyards. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, the difference, you know, with vineyards, obviously not spraying systemics, like glyphosates, and those other stuff that goes and you spray on your vines, and it basically... So pesticides, you mean, pesticides, herbicides. Herbicides, um... You know, there's no, for sure. I mean, those are just, um, I, I just don't see the point. Mm. Um, I understand we have to feed the world, so we can't just switch from A to Z overnight. Mm. Um, but I, you, I've definitely seen in my short time on this planet a shift. Um, so you think, I mean, um, so yeah. I'm putting words in your mouth here, so tell me if I'm wrong. So the reason why you don't want to use pesticides or herbicides is because they're bad for... A, the planet in terms of the, the, the ground you're working and also the, the, there's going to be residual um, in the, the produce that you're producing off, off the, off the, yes, off the that, vineyard? Yes, uh, look, it doesn't make sense to me. It just yeah. doesn't, for me, uh, making a small focused product, it doesn't make sense um, spraying a broad spectrum kill-all philosophy. Mm. Um, I, you know, I like, it doesn't make sense at all. Mm. It just doesn't fit me and the, the, the argument doesn't sit, oh, because you know, why do you spread? Oh, because there's disease pressure and you have to. That's not, you know, you can just have a little bit more attention to detail. You know, farm, fine tune. You know, this is obviously a discussion that can take two, three hours. Mm -hmm. It's, there's no, um, 
quick discussion on this. Have you got somewhere to be? Um, <laughs> so, you know, we need to we need to look more carefully at what exactly what we're doing and what we're spraying on the soil, on our vines. It's going into our systems, what we're drinking, um, what we're eating, and if you know every little bit. I, I'm starting out as a freshman, let's call it that way, in the wine industry. Um, I want to make sure that I'm doing it what I feel is correct. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it has no, I mean, you haven't mentioned wine quality or, or, yeah. or fruit quality yet. I'm, I'm assuming that's, yeah. that's, that's no, one of the driving factors also. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I, you know, I've, so this is my, my changing moment in wine was, you know, we were traveling around the Loire Valley tasting all of France started, this is 2007. Is this you and who? Uh, my brother and another friend of ours, okay. older friend. In 2007. Rob Pratt, okay. 2007. And I was, you know, we visited amazing places, uh, you know, and the wines were great, exceptional. But I just didn't find that one thing, it did, you know, we tasted, I mean, you know, top places. I mean, we were fortunate enough to do that. Um, and I just didn't find anything that resonated with me. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, like that, that, that feeling. Yeah, yeah the That sweet on, spot yeah. in your cricket bat, that yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, you're always yeah. hitting the toe end, even though it's an, an amazing, um, uh, wine that you're tasting mm. uh, and the guys are working extremely hard to get there and they've mm. generations but then we visited a producer my friend who knows me very well Benjamin Jolivo who's now working with the main heroes but he said go taste this wine because he knows my character because look there's wines that will fit everybody and you you know and he knows what I like um, or he knew me and he said this person will be of interest to you and it was um, a Japanese lady at uh, a place called Domaine de Bois Luca, which is at then it was Noella Morantan as a winemaker. She makes amazing wines now on her own label. And Pascal Potter, who I think is one of the greater winemakers out there, he makes sparkling wine from Domaine de Capriot. He was also there. I didn't know this at the time, but we'd come back and cross paths now, 10 years later. But we, um, and th there we were tasting in barrels, and the wines were just acid. and we were, me and my brother and I was actually looking at each other and like laughing because it was so the wines were so out there and acidic but just then, so acidic yeah yeah but just not they and, were unlike anything I've ever tasted how old were the wines though I mean there was it like it was 2005 just, just post, no but was it just okay so the wines were 2005 vintage so they were uh, 2006 vintage sorry okay so there was um, sort of a year nine months yeah, old yeah just before of, bottling okay um, and we yeah just exactly just under a year and then, then she opened a couple of bottles and it blew our minds these wines were incredible i've still got or well, neil's still got because i've drunk mine but um <laughs> 2005 vintages and also your blank i mean it's your blank <laughs> and they were it, the wines are nuts they're actually incredible the, the, here i was like i was like okay here's something i can grab hold of okay and this is my and you hadn't tasted wines like that before no never never and so, I, so, I, this, so up to this point you're in the wine game you're being so what what wines were you yeah but what did i know i mean i was no, but you, I mean, yeah. obviously you had some passion. There yeah. was some hook there. Yeah, for sure. But I was, yes, exactly. I was having, I, I thought I knew what I okay. liked, yeah. but I actually didn't. If you and, then you, to, you, and then all of a sudden there's another floor. There's yeah, another, you, there's that, another and story. That's, that was my attic level or whatever okay. you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Another house. And um, and I asked her why. You know, I want to know why, why, why. Just why. And it, then it came down to these wines had <laughs> basically zero sulfur. Um, they were farmed organically. We walked around and it just, and we tasted back vintages and these wines. She's, she's not, I'm not sure she stopped making wine, but Pascal Pater was the, the main guy there then. He made that and he's making fantastic wines in the style I like. Um, 
So that was when my path shifted to that direction. Okay. And then I searched out more of these guys and that's exactly why I'm making the wines I am now. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for precision, but without all of the other stuff. Okay. Um, and that's very difficult to do because you're not going to do it every year. You're not going to do it every wine. Mm. And I'm, you have to accept that. Mm. Um, but when you get it right, it's, 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 it's a real song. Yeah. I sometimes explain people, uh, explain you and your winemaking philosophy in, in like the, the most understandable terms I can come up with. This yeah. is almost like a Formula One racing driver yeah. trying to find the perfect lap. Yeah. And like the inches yeah, and, the, and the, the, you know, the, the millionth or the, the, the ten thousandth of a second. Yeah. Sometimes you might end up in the wall. Yeah. But when you get it right, it's quite exhilarating. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's the sort of... That, yeah, that's it. The, um, it's like there's no there's less safety net. Yeah, 100%. I think there's definitely less safety net. And I think if you taste... Does that excite you or yeah, is it just... Is it, yeah, okay. No, I mean, yes, in the beginning. But now I think oh, we're not hitting the wall anymore. Mm. I think we might be missing a few corners some here and there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, in the early days I was fucking either flying around fastest lap or hitting walls. And that mm. was great. That was exciting. But mm. now you learn. That's it's called growing up. Mm. And you learn. And that's where we're at at the moment. Mm. Um, and that for me is the exciting time now. Is having 11 years under your belt now, mm. working, making your own wine, and having people enjoy it. Huh? Mm. Um, and that's, that's really, really cool. So this is the, uh, in 2019 will be the 11th vintage of Testalonga? So 2008 was the first, so 8, mm. 9, yeah, mm. exactly. 12th actually. Yeah, 12th. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So you started off making one wine? So we did one wine in 2008, it was two barrels of uh, Shannon uh, from the Paderberg Skin Contact. Okay. Macerated for four weeks on the skins. Okay. And um, where did the skin contact... Uh, that uh, came from, from Antonio Perino. Okay. Um, he made a skin contact Vermentino and that, it was an orange, it was orange color, mm -hmm. it had tannin and it was beautiful. Um, it was just... Did you get it straight away or did you need to sort of... No, I basically said, what the fuck is this? Yeah, right. And, I, and then I, I said, this is amazing. Mm. It's like... But you liked it straight away? No, I liked of, it yeah, okay. immediately. Because, it, yeah, yeah. because, like I said, I'm not from a winemaking family. Yeah, yeah. I had no preconception. But it's not like Bovril or Vegemite no, or something. It wasn't like, like that. It was yeah, clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, what I'm saying is like, it's, it's not something... Sometimes you need oh, to try no, things four or five yeah. times to fully understand them. Yeah, like, no. Like a really great piece of music or a really great movie or a really great book. Like and beer when you're a child. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. The first beer you have is terrible because because you, you know, you're 12 years old. Yeah, I don't know, it wasn't like that. It was just, um, you have to be open to obviously receive these kind of things. Mm. I'm not saying I'm very woke, but uh, <laughs> fuck. I'm not saying that either, <laughs> don't worry. With a virtue signaling. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, that was, that, that wine did change it because it was different. Mm. And what and year was that? Was it the, uh, that, It was at sort of 07. 07, okay. And then I came back to South Africa and I, I searched for these wines. Okay. And I could not find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you decided to so make one. So we decided, well, okay. I. Yeah. I say we, there's a man on my shoulder, we decided to make one. Yeah, yeah. okay. And then, um, yeah, and it was great. Um, so 12 years later, you're making how many wines? Yeah, 18. Different, 18 so, wines. So Why so many? Yeah, we, um, I mean, I know, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, a lot of people always, younger guys come to me, or women, and they ask for it. No, no, because it's true. Like people starting out, younger guys and girls, mm. starting out wine and they're like, oh, but you know, I want to make many different wines like you. And I was, mm. I was like, don't. Um, <laughs> just, make, just make one or two because we've yeah. regrew into that. Yeah. I started with, with one and then two and then four for the first five years. Mm -hmm. And then it's my character. I mean, I, I search, I'm always searching for that extra purity, something different. Mm. Um, 
and and then um, fortunately the world grew with us. Mm-hmm. Not the whole world, but the people mm-hmm. that followed us. But the, but the nature of what you were making meant that those wines couldn't necessarily grow in 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 quantity. Yeah, so we keep everything separate, so it's all uh, single vineyards and. Um, so if you needed more to sell, you yeah, needed to I, add I needed wines. Yeah, I to add another wine, yeah, okay. exactly. Because that's my idea. I mean, I've chatted with um, Philippe um, Pacalet quite mm-hmm. a lot. I, li- I really like his wines. And, um, you know, he said to me that, you know, terroir is single vineyard, single soil. He thinks that's the truest expression. Mm-hmm. And that's, look, it could have been anybody that said that, but he said it. Yes. And um, it, it resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Go back to that sort of purity line. Is that sort of... That's it. Yeah. Okay. For sure, I've got ideals and I, I chase them. Um, if you don't like it, then that's also fine. Mm. I don't really care. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it, this is, it's a real selfish thing. Yeah. I, I want to search. You know, you're only on this planet for a short time. And then you hand over. Um, and... I want to. I want to follow that line. Yeah, whether you like it or not. You yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can clean up the mess. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've had this farm since 2014. 15. 2015. Apologies. Um, how do you manage all these different vineyards, and how do you ensure that uh, uh, you get the same fruit every year? If you're leasing, or are you buying, just buying fruit? A combination of things. It must be a, an yeah. absolute nightmare. It's it's a, look, it's a it's a challenge, and again, you grow into it. I mean, a lot of the guys we work with. Um, yeah, how many growers are you working with? So we're working with six, okay. seven now this year. Yeah. Um, but they've all, most of them are from the part of big. Um, and there's one out this way. Um, in the Piketberg area and um, you know these are these were my ex-neighbors I call it neighbors but like two farms down from Lamazuk where I was working in the same neighborhood yeah Yeah. we helped them convert into organics helped them a lot Um, and so these are these are our friends that um, we've we work with so there's a lot of trust involved we don't have a single contract in writing, and it's all handshake stuff. So you know, for sure, it's risky mm-hmm. in that regard. And has, that, also, has that gone bad at any point? No, never. Or? No, not yet. Okay. No, we look. Um, communication is everything. So I'm always communicate. With Obviously, it's going to be like you know uh, easier years than other years and all. Yeah, that sort for of sure. Stuff, but yeah. But I'm very yeah. loyal to everybody that mm-hmm. we work with. Uh, I think it's very important to be loyal. Um, so you know, and I'm straight up and down. I'll tell you. If I think something's going to work or not, and um, um, yeah, very honest and open. So we, the guys that we work with on the farms, um, you know, there's a lot of trust involved mm-hmm. because obviously I can't be farming everything. I mean, it's impossible. So our farm I mean, just, you're, you're an hour's drive away from most yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. You? Our closest yeah. vineyard is 50 k's away. So we've got our own farm to run, and I'm farming here, and this will eventually be the the top of the umbrella, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, top of the pyramid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Upside down, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's it. We work with uh, good people that uh, trust. Eh? That's mm-hmm. it, and uh, it's it's very important. Mm-hmm. So if they, they, you know, they need to find me on a Saturday night, they find me on a Saturday night, and we mm-hmm. chat about things. So you're making wine now, you know, probably in a similar way to Tom was at Observatory. Would that be fair to say, or yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I mean, he was in a similar way. Yeah. I would say that the, the the thing that Tom taught me and Remy Pedrino. And Dirk, but Tom really nailed the hammer home, nailed home, was acidity. Okay. Um, was using acidity as your backbone. Yeah, right. Using that as the structure. And the yeah, and then that's, that, that, that I would, Tom definitely hammered that so out. So when I spoke to him, he said there wasn't really any support 
for what he was doing yes. um, at the time uh, in terms of local support yes. by the winemakers or even in the industry. There was a couple of guys who, like Harold Brushelsmith, who, who, who bought the wines and yep. you know, still got the wines. That seems to have changed over the last sort of 15, 20 years. There seems to be yeah, a, a group of you. So, I mean, there's Jochen, obviously, who was at Lamisok with you and yeah. makes the Interlego wines. Yeah. And who else has been sort of in that sort of club with you? Well, Johan. Um, Johan? <laughs> no, one, no one knows who Johan is. <laughs> no, Stompy, I mean, he's a good... There's lots of guys, um, Mick Craven, Mick and Janine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's lots of guys uh, doing doing good things and looking for that little bit extra. But, mm -hmm. you know, we're all under 40, let's call it that, even under 35, you know. Mm. Well, I'm pushing that now. But, but um, you know, so it's back when Tom was around 2001, two. Yeah, 2000, 2001. Um, yeah. You know, he bought Observatory or Bosch in 2001. And that was, you know, it definitely was tougher. Mm. You know, we just straight out of apartheid. Um, which had a big, you know, sanction to be lifted. So wine was a new thing for South Africa, particularly in the international market, because mm. your local market is going to drink what it really knows through those areas. Um, where an exporting <laughs> so South African wine back in those days, it was like um, avoiding uh, the iceberg for the Titanic, but no, mm. they hit it. Um, so we, you know, you need to. Back then, it definitely was difficult for Tom, mm. sure. Um, but I think. It so comes, what's the, I mean? Did you have support? Uh, what? How did the support manifest itself? Well, how was it easier? Oh, look! When I started, the, do you think the market was more prepared? No, at I mean, two thousand eight. Our first wine bottle. I remember, winemaker friend said, "You're never going to sell this." <laughs> yeah, I suppose he wasn't wrong. But if I if I hadn't um, <laughs> been a bit had a bit more less, if I had less conviction, I probably might have buckled. All right. Um, and not been able to sell it because it was for sure the market was not ready, but when is the market ever, ever ready? You know, the market is ready, you make I'm, the market ready. No, but what I'm saying is, um, uh, obviously you you tasted this style of wine overseas, yes. and so that seemed like a natural um, destination yeah, for the wine I mean, it, up, or? Even then it was, okay, so, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I mean, in 2008, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, somebody asked me this question the other day, what is the biggest risk that I've ever taken? You know, the obvious thing would say to buy this farm, but the actual biggest risk was sticking to my guns um, and in the style of wine that we were making, which was, and I didn't know then because I thought it was just normal because I tasted these wines and they were nice, but I didn't know, I don't know what I knew then, what I knew now about yeah. the global scene and because we sell to 50 different countries, so, you know, I've seen a lot. Um, where in 2008, it was also the start of the real, you know, the natural wine was just really taking off. Call it what you want, everyone knows what you're talking about when you say natural wine. And we had fallen into that without even knowing. And um, in South Africa... So I mean, what's, what's, I mean, what's the, what are the, the, the most important things about to, to be classified? When you think, say everyone knows, I don't think everyone does know. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Um, but, I mean, you put natural wine in a label okay, in South Africa, all that means is it's not fortified. Yeah, yeah, true. So. But in the in the in the, the restaurant scene, in a global sense, it has the a global sense, they, yeah. they know. But in South Africa, yeah, the people now. I mean, when I started, um, orange wine, let's call it that, skin macerated white wines, um, they were nobody knew what you're talking about, and they looked different, they tasted different, and rightly so. I mean, people were skeptical. But now, you I go around Cape Town and see young boys and girls saying, "Can I have a glass of skin macerated white or orange wine?" And uh, you know, that's great because. Ten years ago, it was really difficult to sell our 
wine. That's why we exported everything, why we still do. But natural wine, I mean, yes, there's no definitions, but it's, I like uh, what Pierre Jancou says from, he's got a website called More Than Organic. He was the founder of Racine's Wine Bar and Restaurants in Paris. Um, if you go look on his website, I like those guidelines. I use those guidelines from an early age. And just roughly go through those? Um, you know, the, the, the totals of not more than 40. Sulfur? Sulfur. Um, you know, farmed organically, no machine harvest, no um, additives and celibicides, a bit of yeast, you know, the filtration, no chemical filtration, you know, the, no new wood, all of that. Um, basically, it's just about uh, um, championing championing so organic farming as the well the grape yeah. and the farming mm-hmm. um, and that sat with me it sat okay. with me well yeah. and for sure there's examples out there that aren't great but there's examples of all wines mm. that are not great um, but it's about searching for that purity I think natural wine exposes poor, poor vineyard sites okay natural wine exposes poor vineyard sites so you can't make a wine with no crutches on a vineyard that cannot hold that longevity yeah it gets back to the safety yeah. that you have no safety net, you so no safety your, your, your fruit quality is yeah. exposed exactly so natural wine if you're not making if you're not making wine uh, if you're making wine organically and with minimal additions or subtractions you, the, the the fruit quality is exposed and so you get a better picture of where the wine is from is that fair to say i think or? so yes okay. I, I, do, I really do think so i think um and um for sure, you can argue the, the opposite side, but I want to, you know, then that's fine. Let's, let's chat mm. about it. Mm. I think it's, it's great and we can sit with wines and that's what's the beauty of wine. But for, 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 what, for my taste and palate and what I like in terms of purity mm. um, and, and longevity, um, ageability, I, I, I do believe that. Mm. that do that, you mostly only drink natural wine? Yeah, definitely. Mm. I do go, for sure. Mm. I do drink... Okay, those are the ones I drink, but mm. I taste everything. Yeah, okay. Um, mm. It's just always sat with me, mm. these ones. It's just, you know, we're dictated to by bacteria in our bodies, outside our bodies. Um, the pH is why we like vinegar. You don't like vinegar because you like vinegar. You like vinegar because there's little microorganisms inside you like vinegar. Mm. Um, and, I th- and I do think um, that plays a role. Uh, it might sound silly and not what people want to hear. They want to hear you put your hand on the ground and you feel the earth. But I do I think the my body fits better with natural wines. Yeah. Okay. It just suits me. Yeah. yeah. Now you t- mentioned about sulfur. Yeah. Uh, why is minimal sulfur better for the wine, or why is it, why is that uh, important? Because um, it, it was the only thing you sort of said that was. Yeah. You, uh, you know, gave us sort of a, a number to and said, "Oh, anything below that's okay." Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have definitions, you need boundaries. Just yeah. Just talk and, us through that though. And. Um, that is also why I like the natural wine movement. There is no boundaries, and it really pisses the shit out of. It pisses everybody off um, that there's no boundaries because we are, we are, well, let's call, we are actually binary by nature. I mean, we we want to have boundaries. We build walls. We put fences around farms and countries. That's, that's and, just in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know we. <laughs> well, we build walls, but um, <laughs> you know we we need to know where we can and can't go. And, I, and natural wine does expose that because it's the, the definition of it. And that's what really annoys a lot of people mm. in the trade. And I think it's great because, mm. but the thing is what happens is it's like a real fluid movement. Yes. And you, you, in these, um, you get invited, like I get invited to tastings, La Dive, you know, these things, and you do them. And if you found to be 
taking the piss and lying, you don't go back. You, you get back. if you eventually get found out and you get it. And that's I like that system. I think it's you can if politics and it's not getting into politics, but if, if politics could apply a bit of that, it, it'll never work. But anyway, and I'm not for socialism. Let's just get that clear. Yeah. But so yeah, why the boundary there then? <laughs> Where? Where you said it was. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I said that because that you needed somewhere to start with. Mm. No, I did when you're young, and no, for sure, good question. Um, but I just find above those. Kind of, I mean, it depends on the pH of the wine and mm. the limit. But generally, above generally, let's call it that vaguely above 40, 50 parts sulfur, you, it, the wine it does really start to manifest in the wine. Um, definitely, sometimes for the better. Um, but generally, I find it brings a bitterness. Um, and it, it dulls it dulls the wine. Mm. Not to say those wines aren't great, and I won't drink them because I will. But for when you're searching for purity and yes. completely, which is which I am, um, those kind of amounts for me. So at, at a certain point, yeah. uh, a certain concentration, it, it takes away more than it, yes. uh, it, it assists. Yeah, I, 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 and I do think so. But um, but definitely, some wines will need those amounts. Otherwise, mm. they will turn bad. On the farming side of things. Sourcing organically grown grapes in in South Africa can't be easy. Convincing farmers who own farms to change their farming seems to be the people yeah, I've been speaking to seems to be quite difficult. So how have you managed to do it? Or were these guys I mean, yeah. because you were friendly to them, they didn't sort of just rock up on their doorstep and said, "Oh, by the way, um, I'm Craig, and I want you to change your the way you run your farm, and I'll, and I'll pay you a little bit of extra, perhaps." Yeah, no, it's, I, mean, I think it just comes down to communication and uh, conviction as well. Which I you're mean, notoriously good at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing at talking to people. That's why I'm up here like a hermit, hermit on a hill. My closest neighbours, I can only see them through binoculars. No, I think, but, but still, there's a thing called WhatsApp and you can phone people because we don't have reception there, which is great because nobody phones me. But we, you know, it's definitely that. I mean, I, I do talk to the guys a lot. Mm. And we I visit them, and you know. But the initial conversation I was no, it's a slow progress. Yeah, you don't. I didn't just. We didn't just get to making all these wines and working with all this in Mm -hmm. in one year. It took a progression of Of twelve, twelve, twelve years. And for the first five, it was very slow. Um, And then I think people need to see. Like we have a track record now. We do pay well. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's important. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean they're, they're trying to make money as well. But but I think a lot of it depends. I mean, some guys, it's it's you know the guys they want to, they're also tired of spraying Roundup on their farms every year. Just that they're looking for that something a little bit more. Um, so you, you think that, that, that um, part of the reason is that they. Uh, want sort of more are, interaction with their own farms. Yeah. Obviously, a bit more money I mean, as well. The guys who work with Jan Piketberg, I mean, they, you know, they want to, they, they've always wanted to go organic because they know yeah. that you're spraying synthetics on the soils, you know, these things are staying there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the water you drink and it goes, you know, that, you know, they've always wanted to go organic, but they just never had that catalyst that pushes them. So they just, you know, we're creatures of habit. Huh? So they're, I mean, the, the so customer we, base they have for their grapes yeah. were unwilling to go above a certain yeah, well, amount. So, and so they wouldn't, so they wouldn't. Yes, because for sure you sacrifice expensive. yield. You sacrifice yield in the beginning. Yeah. Your yields definitely go down. That's mm. just a fact. And farming um, organically obviously is yeah, a lot more expensive. Um, it depends. Oh, no, okay. I don't, I don't I, you know, it depends for who. Yeah. Um, some guys it is, some guys I didn't find it more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot harder because you have okay. to think. 
Okay. Um, and you is it more man hours as well? No, it's or? just more. You have to react to the climatic conditions that are. It's not just looking at your spreadsheet and saying I'm going to spray now regardless because it's the vines protected. It's about reacting to actually being in your vineyard and observing what's going on and looking and walking and understanding. That's that's the main thing. You know, and, the, and often some people just need that person to to chat to and a shoulder to lean on and try and understand how to do it and that's where we came along. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the uh, was service. Yeah. Was the, um, the sensory panel and the tastings and certification. It seems like um, I mean, your, your, your name gets brought up more often than not um, when someone has a problem with getting their wines yeah, certified true. by Savas um, as being sort of the main person to go to if people have a problem because you've fought all those battles yeah, definitely. So maybe just talk to me about that process. Um, when, what is certification? It doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, it doesn't happen for Australian wine, for example. Not yeah. anymore. Okay. So what, what's required? So, I mean, it's, it comes, service, South African wine is spirits or something. I, what is it? Information I? service, I think. <laughs> South African wine, I mean, they, they're amazing people. They are. But it's a, you know, they, it's a system that is great in one aspect. But I think is it's it's now the world is evolving. It's it's now hindering progression. Mm. The world's moving at a slightly faster pace than it was 30, 40 years ago. You can't monitor everything. So so, so basically, the wines go through a three-strike process. You submit your wine. Yep. The first time, so they fails go to the they taste it. What, it's, against it's all what? sensorial, right? So yeah. it's against their own intuition and what they perceive is correct. Sensory with an S, not a C. Yeah. Um, yeah, so well, you would think so, but um, there's a red and a green light. So if the wine passes, it's good. It's green. And who tastes these and wines? So it's just it's general. It can be anyone from your amateur up to your fellow winemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a a blind tasting. I think it's ten people on the panel. They sit there um, every Wednesday or whatever. They taste the wines, and if it passes, you need out of five. So it's five people. You get. Um, Three green lights, you're good. If you get three red lights, you have to submit again. And they're tasting for what, so faultiness or, and faultiness. What is a fault? Uh, cloudy, cloudy and turbid um, volatility. You know, basically insufficient varietal character, whatever that is. It's just yeah, who determines the variety? Yeah, who determines that? Uh, look, I can understand it. I do. I'm not. I'm not against these systems, so to speak. But I'm against subjective opinions mm. which is I think what has come down to so if I, I have no problem with um, certification and a, and a system but I, I think it should just be what I said earlier by uh, black and white so just, just analytical be, just to be clear the certification certifies the vintage the area yeah. the variety yeah. ex, um, uh, what else the um, origin the origin um, so, and there's nothing wrong with that. W-O. But, then, but then part of that is also a sensorial that, it, that it tastes like yeah. a, according to Savas, that it, it, there's Chenin Blanc that, yes. that tastes like a Chenin Blanc. It needs Blanc. to taste like a Chenin Blanc from that region. And that's, I mean, what does a Chenin Blanc from that region taste? That's I mean, yeah. So exactly, that's, that's the subjective part of which I don't like. And there's mm-hmm. absolutely no problem with the other stuff. Mm. Um, and what they should do is just have a system where if your volatile is above 1.2, it's vinegar. Face it, that's it. And if that's fine, if, if you can't make a wine under 1.2 volatile and, and those are the rules, then unfortunately, then you should still be able to sell it though, uncertified. 
But the, the rules now is... You, you can't call it wine. You can't call it... Yeah. It <laughs> or you can't be, call it a... The wine of origin and that should fall away. Okay. Like in France. Mm. You just, it's a van der Table. But yeah. there's no van der Table in South Africa. Mm. The van der Table in South Africa... Well, there is, isn't it? Isn't it? Tussenberg isn't... I mean, that's not... <laughs> no, but seriously, that's not... There's no... There's no yes, but There's it's, no vintage declaration. Okay. There's no varietal declaration. So certified and uncertified are the same thing. They go through the same process, so ta same tasting. Process. Okay. Okay. So you can't still export. Okay. I'll try. But... And... If your wine is spoiled, that's you know that's fine. I mean, you have have parameters that you can analyze. Mm -hmm. That's I've no problem with that mm -hmm. because then then that's cool. But don't have subjective opinions that this doesn't taste like Shannon because it doesn't taste like Shannon. Mm -hmm. um, when you can have perfectly good examples from the Loire Valley that probably would also fail, and these are the top Shannons in the in the in the world. Mm -hmm. Did you have more troubles initially with the, with the tasting panel than you do now? Well, yeah, I mean, we went through a process in 2000, okay, so this is, this for me is the issue, is that in 2011, 2010-11, we sat with the board, myself, Jürgen, Evan, Carla, Adi, Kali, and we sat there and we said, and we, and we presented a whole bunch of wines, and we said, these are the new categories, we opened up the skin macerated white, white wine category, the method ancestral, the floor aged category you know because these categories weren't there so that's fine so now so now, got, now they can taste against those categories they've got a box to tick a box to tick okay. yeah so they can they can certify the one and that's and, they, and we actually set the parameters mm. that's it so like i mean even did this the floor age one or oh, sun one sun one i did the skin macerate and the petty on the method ancestral and um and that's fine so it worked well for the next two three years perfect wine's no problem but now what has happened is you have so, so the winemakers are the constant, but the people in the system are changing. So you have new, a lot of those guys are out, and you have okay. new people coming in to taste, and they're like, hang on, but what is this? It's, mm. it's, even though the, the parameters are correct, like last year, we, we were still struggling. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was cool because they did my marketing for me. I was like, look at these guys, they're not passing the wine, and everyone's, ooh, the wine's not passing, and let's buy it because it must be different and cool. But... Now then, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't care anymore. I'm, mm. I'm, I just want so to you can't export the wine unless it's certified by those people. Unless it's certified, but yeah. it's just it will get certified because you fight. It will eventually, but it's just the energy. I don't have time for that anymore. Mm. I'd rather be in my vineyard than spending flipping three days a week. What it adds up to, going to visit these guys and chat to them, and explain why you should pass the wine when you have 30 different countries that have your wine on allocation mm. and they come here every year and they taste and they love it and they're selling There's it. There's purchase orders of all Exactly. The yeah. and, and the wines are clean and healthy. Mm. Um, and it's just because it's insufficient cultivar character. I mean, what, what is that? That kind of thing. So it's just, it's, it's, you can't apply a black and white system, a yes or no system to to people that are subjective, um, you know, to, to doesn't work. The two don't go, the two don't marry. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, we, our wines are always passed. They always have. I threatened the one year they failed my wine 2011 for oxidation on the skin macerated white, skin contact. Um, it was orange because of the skins. I explained this and we did all this. And they failed it outright. And then I was actually buggered because I couldn't export the wine at all. And that was my income. So I took it to the university, the professor, Vessel de Toy, and we proved through the asset aldehyde and thing that it wasn't oxidant. It was actually, it was actually reductive in terms of those numbers. So I said, right, here we go. I'm taking you to court. And uh, I was hoping they wouldn't say yes because I didn't have the money to go to court. <laughs> <laughs> but they said, okay. And then they actually changed it. So that, that was one of the first times I knew that it changed. And that was when 
That was one of the, the that was one of the things to yeah, okay. because it was just it got boring. It really got boring and tiring. I mean, why were they doing it? I mean, do you think it's a, a vindictive thing? No, because or they, they have to stick to their systems. And the systems are hindering themselves. They know. When you sit to them... So the people involved... Uh, the people involved are like, look, I'm just part of the system. It's not my fault. It's just, I'm just... You can't shout at me. I'm just doing my job. When I just think it's, it's ludicrous. It's, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Because you... you um, in this country, we love job creation. Um, when we maybe need less jobs and more efficient people in those positions. So, yeah, I might get shot for that, but mm. um, I just think, uh, yeah, we need to be a bit more streamlined. Mm. And that money could be spent far else, far somewhere else. I mean, I worked out every year, I submit 18 wines, three bottles. I mean, you do the math, it's something, it's like 40 grand worth of wine. Um, and then you, I have to resubmit because they, it's a bit less, but you have to resubmit. Absolutely. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to resubmit every year, yes. or every tasting, and then there's another 18 bottles. And then, you know, so it's, uh, I know it's petty, and you're, oh, it's just wine, but it's not. Mm. It's the principle. Mm. So I just think something needs to change there. I think we need to just bring it, make it a bit more simple, yeah. come back to more analytics. That means a change in government policy? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's but, it. So nothing, no, it's not going to happen overnight. Hence why we're living on a mountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what attracted you to this site up here in the north of the Scotland? Um, yeah, it's just beautiful. I mean, we people that, if anybody listens to this, they will, uh, they can't see the view that we, we can see for 150 kilometers mm. that direction when it's not cloudy. Um, fucking dogs. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just love it. I mean, it's we in the Swatland. The Swatland boundary is that mountain behind us, um, which is important because I just think we're building something here together as a region, um, which is nice to be a part of. Um, and it's virgin soil. I mean, there's great soil here. We have fresh water coming from two springs on the farm. Um, unplanted vineyards. It's, it suits my character. We can just plant here, do what we want, and. Um, Hopefully it works. So you've planted some Grenache and Noir and Grenache Blanc so far? Um, so we planted Grenache and Grenache Blanc. Yeah. Grenache Noir and Grenache Blanc. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and what's, what's, what's planned for the future? So next, this year we're going to plant Maccabee, Carignan and Maved. And then um, the following year is, um, I want to plant another clone of Grenache. The more robust clone from the Roussillon, the mm-hmm. Lada Polite. The moment we've planted the more elegant kind of plan, clone. Okay. And uh, I'd love to plant some frappato, which I think would work well here. Okay. Definitely some house levelly, because I mm-hmm. think it's an amazing grape. Is there any frappato um, no, vines in yet. South Africa yet? No. They, they're in the nurseries. Okay. They're coming. In quarantine. Yeah. Okay. They're coming. That's exciting. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a long-term goal. Mm. A long-term project. So, But it will only end up planting 9 to 10 hectares. So yeah. it's not a much. Not, not a lot. Um, but enough. It's quite a lot for, for four of you. <laughs> yeah. Couple more things yep. if you've got time. Um, so when someone drinks a bottle of Testalonga, what do you want them to? What, what are you hoping to that they get out of that bottle apart from some, joy? Some I good, want them good to f- feel just feel something. I mm. think I don't want them just to drink it um, with a block of ice just to forget their troubles. You know, mm. I want them to actually think about what they're drinking. Yeah, engagement. Yeah, uh, just engage a bit. Yeah, and um, but for sure, I mean, some of our wines, you know, like Follow Your Dreams, uh, 2018. I mean, it's literally it is a nice easier drinking red 
Um, and that's fine. I mean, you can look into your girlfriend or boyfriend's eyes and be happy with that moment. I mean, the, the, the nice thing I love. <laughs> you know, the, the, and if you want to think a bit more about our wines, it's definitely there in the bottle. But what I really enjoy is getting an email from people that said, you know, these are random people. And I don't know if I'm biased, so they're not sommeliers and all these oity-toity people, but just not the sommeliers are. I mean, fuck. They emailed me, they said, I drank your wine. And like I had people visited two days ago from Sweden. They're here on paternity leave. I mean, Jesus, they get five months paternity leave. I got like five days. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they, they drank the wine in Sweden. Then they went back to Denmark and they found it there again in another bar. And, they, and it just followed their story. They were on holiday. And then they came to South Africa and they found a wine bar there. And then they phoned me and they said, can I come visit? And they, you know, they, they were just novice drinkers, which is awesome. And they... It connected, they liked the label, they liked the feeling they got from the wines yeah. and um, everything attached to it. And that, that for me was, was really cool. I want you to feel something. And 12 years in, what have you, what are the main things you're doing differently now than you were doing initially? I mean, it seems like a very thought out process, but it seems like you, you reassess these things yeah. as you go and, and change if you need to. You seem yeah, really less dogmatic now than you were, perhaps. I, yeah, I, I often ask myself that, am I less dogmatic? Um, but if I was doing now, what I was doing back then, it would probably be the same. Um, I'm not adding more sulfur or any less. I'm just, I think I'm just sharpening my axe, let's call it that way. Mm. Um, I'm understanding more um, about what I'm doing. Now I do often ask myself, am I more dogmatic? I was definitely probably more, yeah, I was more dogmatic in the sense that there was, it was only that way. But now, if I look at it, I will, for instance, if a wine needs to be racked at this time, I will rack it. Where back then, I would say, no, um, it needs to age on its lease for two years because that's the way I want it to be. Mm. But that's how you get to those points. But, but, I would, that's, but that's just sharpening up what you do. But I'm not it's adding... It's applying experience. Applying experience. It? I mean, it's just yeah. growing up, having maturity. Mm. But I'm not now suddenly bentonating all the wines or, you know, I'd, this year, 2018, we experimented with light filtration uh, because it was a year that I just did the experiment and I thought it made better wines. I mean, it was, it's like putting the wines through a muslin cloth, but I mean, it did, for me, it made a better wine. Eh? Mm -hmm. um, and that was it, but I'm not necessarily going to do that every year. So that's... You seem sure. to be opening yourself up to more possibilities and more tweaks slightly uh, or... <laughs> I just think we're getting better at what you're doing. Okay. Let's, let's put it that way. Mm. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, well, in the beginning, I had no knowledge, no background. Mm. So I would take a hard stance. Where now I have a bit of experience mm -hmm. and um, I have something to fall back on and experience to, to mm. chat about. Where back then, I, like I said, I stuck to my guns. Mm. If you challenged me back then, I'd say no, because this is why I'm doing it and how. Mm. But now I've got the experience and I can you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So we can still, I can still um, say, but this is, these are the reasons because in 2008 it was like this, in 2013, 14. It was you can like apply this. that experience. I can apply it, yeah. yeah. It might even be called knowledge, perhaps. Yeah, sometimes, some yeah. people, yeah. And do you think that um, making wine in a warm climate, that's why you're more fixated with acidity? Oh, 100%. Than, yeah. yeah. So you wouldn't, if you were making wine in a super cool climate yeah. in Germany, you wouldn't be, you'd be less concerned about acidity because it obviously would be more present anyway. It, generally, you're always going to get the sun in, in the warm climate, mm. that warmth that the wines bring you. So it's, mm. it, I think it's just the, the nature of where we live. And in Germany, 
we use Germany because you said Germany, but yeah. I worked in Austria for four years. Austria, yeah. And um, very cool climate. That's one thing I learned there. Like when I arrived, I was like, all right, we need to pick in four days because the city is going to go with, we ended up picking four weeks later and the city was still there. Um, we in South Africa, you don't have it. You can lose it in four days. So yeah, it was um, definitely acidity is the backbone here, but we're over there, you need to try and harness the sun as much as possible. So, well, maybe with climate change and all that, it will be a lot easier. But um, that's why our wines have so much acid. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it's so important? Yeah. Lots of new winemakers coming on board yes. in South Africa in the last, especially the last five, ten years. Yeah. Um, creating more, perhaps more um, camaraderie, but also yeah. more competition, um, more uh, stress on vineyards in terms of um, less choice, perhaps, for people because yeah. you know the fruit security. Uh, so vineyard area is going down, but um, yes. producer numbers going up. Yeah. So what what advice would you be giving someone um, coming out of you know looking to start on their looking own. to start on their own? Yeah. I mean, I would and and wanting to sort of follow in your philosophic footsteps a little bit in terms yeah, of yeah. Look, and I I think advice is I'm I'm very open. Huh? So I'm not going to mislead you. If you come to me for advice, I'll give you I'll tell you exactly what is what I think is is correct. As my neighbor would say, correct. Mm. But uh, like I had this conversation um, two months ago with a young guy. He's just quit a job and he's now starting to do his own wine. And, and he came to me and he said, can I? So we sat for two hours and we chatted. And um, I told him, look, it's not going to be easy. Because if it, the main thing is, is if you're starting out now as a young person, I mean, for us, when, when I started what we're doing now, you only... In hindsight, you realize like we started, we created our own niche um, without knowing it. Um, and it's just happened that way. But I would say you have to do something that is, <laughs> that represents you. Because otherwise you're just going to be another... Be true to self. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't want to say that because it sounds cliche, but that's exactly it. It, it exactly... The cliches for a reason you have sometimes. To, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you have to, but you have to do what, true to yourself. Yeah. Do what you, that is unique to you, that is unreplicable yeah. by somebody else. Yes. Instead of just making another part of Shannon or a syrup from there, that is, you know, because you have to, that was the experience of having a bit of business behind you. So, and whether, and I can't tell the person what to do. Mm. They, they need to find out for themselves and make mistakes. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's tough now, I think, starting out now as a young person, but yeah. it was always tough. It's always tough for a young person. You just, that's the nature of it. You've got to do your time. That's one thing I learned from sport. And one of my good friends, um, Clive, he played hockey uh, together. And he, I know, he always wanted to play for South Africa. And he always, he fought and fought and fought and he just did his time. He, did, he just stayed there, stayed there. And eventually, he got his two caps for South Africa. He was never a, a stable, but he did it. And, and that was just, you need to do your time. And I said to him, you know, and he trained his ass off. You know, there was lots of other guys that, you know, stayed there for a bit, but he did it. But he was never going to walk into the same. No. He always had well, to, yeah. I think he should have. Yeah. But uh, he didn't, um, for the reason that sport. But, uh, and it's the same wine. you just got to do your time. Eventually, you know, you keep consistency and, 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 and mm. value. And how hard was it to find, because um, obviously at the time when you started, South Africa wasn't, I and mean, it still isn't, a hugely important market for you. Did the importers find you or did you have to go search for them? So or? in the beginning, we, yeah, I mean, Andrew Henwood, 
in Joburg, still my first customer. He bought six 12 bottles of Skin Contact 2008. Now a, a good friend. Um, and that was pretty much the sum total of my market in South Africa back then. Um, he still buys the wines now and again. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I, I, Chris Mullinier actually, he put me in touch with Doug Rigg. He tasted our wines, he realized they were different. And Doug Rigg is from La Cal de Perrin. In the UK, they focus on these kind of wines, specialize. And uh, I met with Doug and Eric and Philippe from La Cave at Te Wise Wine Bar, and we sat down there and we tasted through our wines. Yeah, uh, it's 2009. They loved them, and they and he said how much. So I hadn't even thought about the price yet. So I gave a figure, around nice round number, and that was it. The yeah. wine was sold, and it was great. It was a nice feeling, and then from there. Every other country, from La Cave, everything else it's, it's almost come through them it, in terms of... Everything, because that was our starting point. Mm. And from there, you know, we got into, a little bit into Paris, mm -hmm. and then into Denmark, and then into, yeah. And, and then, then yeah, word, of, word of mouth spread. Yeah, and then word of mouth spread. And you, mm. you need to back it up with a, a good product as mm. well. Um, you know, and, that, and believing, is, and that's what we, mm. you know, that's what we do. Mm. And uh, yeah, now I mean, new countries coming. I got an email yesterday from a guy in Colombia once I wine. I mean, because mm. he tasted it in, in, in Tokyo or something, mm -hmm. which is crazy. But um, that's cool. I've never mm -hmm. been to Colombia. Yeah. Good way to travel. Yeah. yeah. So um, hopefully he likes Petnaf because we've got a lot this year. Come about for Colombia. Yeah. <laughs> 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 into a t shirt. <laughs> Make Colombard great again. Um, cool. I think that's it. Yeah, cool. No, thank that's, you. That's probably too long anyway, but we'll, we'll <laughs> cut that down. <laughs> <laughs> to cut out the dog barking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thanks for that. Cool, man. Okay. I think that was good. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, nice one. Drink some wine.